Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our final week in our series, Fear Not. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been taking a look at two particular conjoining stories uh, when an angel appeared to both Mary and Joseph and proclaimed the same thing, though at different times and in different places, the famous fear not or do not be afraid. In week one, we looked at Mary's encounter with this angel, Gabriel, in her instance, and we, we examined what it meant to follow God. Now, for her, this was a massive call because it was life or death. And so we examined what it means to fear God's call and how we can overcome it. And then last week, we examined this fear not with Joseph when he was had already considered divorcing his to-be wife. Now, it was a little different in their day. There was a multi-step uh, way of being married, and so he was not quite all the way married, but yet in between uh, that not married and being married, a uh, different kind of fiancé, if you will. And so he was silently going to divorce her, though he had every right to have her be murdered in the law of the land, he was going to divorce her quietly. But then an angel of the Lord asked him to do something even greater, and that was to take her as his wife. And so he had to wrestle with this fear of what other people would think, right? He was, in a sense, allowing this sin in the land's eyes to go on. He had every right to have her killed. In fact, he was supposed to bring her to the law and have her killed. We see that in the, in the book of John chapter 8 where Jesus is approached by those religious elites and wanted him to have a woman caught in adultery stoned to be killed immediately. And so we took a look at exactly what we should fear. Should we fear what people think? Or should we fear what God thinks? And ultimately, we examined the fact that with God, there is favor. And when we put God's ideas and priorities as our ideas and priorities, we will find favor. Though it won't be easy, it is the way of favor with God. And so now this week we will finish off these uh, three times in the Christmas story where God, through an angel, or angels in this case, proclaims the famous words, fear not. And so today we're going to look at this, this fear of God. It, now, this might come across a little different, but where we stand with God can be a very fearful thing. When we look in the Bible and we see how holy God is and, and the fact that he cannot be in the presence of evil and in his response to evil, especially in the Old Testament, we see a God who is, is very, very righteous, very right, very perfect and cannot withstand anything but purity. He can't be in the presence of of sin. And that becomes a thing that we can be afraid of. And in this passage that we're going to read, 
in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, we see a group of men who, for whatever reason, were, in a way, disconnected from God. And why was it that they were disconnected from God? Well, we'll examine that in a little bit. But first, I would like to jump into this passage and and read it together. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. So Jesus is a newborn. He had just been born in Bethlehem. And so in the same region, just outside of the city, there were shepherds watching their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Rightfully so. It's pitch black. Now they're blinded, right? Like something to be afraid of. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. We'll get back to that, but man, that is one powerful little section right there. They were afraid. There was good reason for them to be afraid. Not just because they were being blinded by a light and being in the presence of angels. There was more to it than that. Continuing on, though. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. A place where no baby of royalty should ever be, that is. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth for people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And seeing them, they reported this message and were told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now this is absolutely one of the most crazy scenes in all the Bible. Why? Because these were men who were not even just ordinary men, they were subpar men. These were, in many ways, considered low men. Now, this hasn't been always the case. We know that David himself was a shepherd and referred to himself as a shepherd. And so shepherds weren't necessarily a bad thing, but something had happened between the time of David and when he was prophesying that there would be a great shepherd that would come after him, and these shepherds, we don't know fully exactly what it all entailed between that timeline, but at one point, shepherds were a good thing. Though David himself was not looked at very highly when he was a shepherd, but he lifted himself up through obedience to God because of God's grace and favor. So that's what we're seeing in the story is God's grace and favor come upon people who didn't deserve it once again. Now, there's a couple of things that left me just kind of, I guess, questioning as I first read this. And maybe this comes up in your thoughts as well. One, what about the religious elites of the day? 
why were they the ones who didn't get to be in God's presence? They should have been the ones. They should have been ready for it, right? The Old Testament is full of accounts. You can do a Google search and, and look for all the prophecies of Jesus, of the Messiah, of Emmanuel in the Old Testament. And you'll see tons of them come up that point to Jesus being born. And they missed it. How could they miss it? That's the first question I have. But then the second question I had is, what exactly caused this disconnection for those who were shepherds? What was it that kept them from the presence of God before this incident, anyhow? And so today, I want to just examine those thoughts and exactly hone in on what keeps us from being connected to God. What causes disconnection in our own lives? Because we all experience disconnection, whether it's with God or with others, but in particular with God. What, why is it that we go through those moments of, of disconnection now, sometimes there are no reasons, and I'm not saying that every time one of these three reasons is the cause of why we feel disconnected, but I do believe that these are three really valuable points that we can process ourselves today and examine, is there any of this in my own life? And so the very first one is the feeling of being unworthy, right? It keeps us disconnected from God. Now, for the shepherds in particular, a few things we do know about them, at least from, from records and from history, and even from uh, today. Sometimes if you come across those nomadic people in the deserts of some Middle Eastern country or, or in some regards even in our land today, you can come across people who are nomadic and live off the land. And, and what is it? about them that is fairly a common denominator they feel a sense of unworthiness now for these men particularly they were constantly on the move they had no place to call home why because they had to go wherever there was available crops and in a desert they were constantly on the move going from parcel of land to parcel of land to make sure that there was water and food for their sheep without it they were without a business. And so they had no place to call a home. They were disconnected from family. And most importantly, this is very, very important in, in their unworthiness to God, is they were disconnected from his temple, from the church, from the people who made up God's family. And if you couldn't be in God's temple, this is, this is very, very important now, you were removed from the presence of God because in, in, in Judaism, the temple was where God's presence dwelt. It was considered so holy. In fact, there was a place called the Holy of Holies where they could only go once a year and it was very, like, you had to make sure that you were ready to go into that, that Holy of Holies or you'd be dead. And people <laughs> did die because they didn't follow proper procedures. Right? So these people were disconnected from God. And, and imagine this. Imagine if God called you 
to a line of work that immediately removed you from God's presence? How unworthy would you feel? Like, I can't go into the presence of God because of the line of work he's called me to. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine feeling that rejection from God himself. That's a personal, very intimate rejection that they had to have felt. Now, of course, I'm adding to it a little bit, but I, I can't imagine how that would feel if it was my situation, and if that's what God had called me to. That was a very deep wound of feeling unworthy. I can't be in the presence of God. Now, of course, we all understand feeling unworthy. For me, personally, every time I get into a group of leaders, or specifically, now this might not relate to you, but a group of pastors, and, and you can put your own line of work in there, when you surround yourself with people who are successful and amazing things are happening within their line of work that you are a part of, but you're not experiencing that. Right? We always will experience a sense of unworthiness in our life because there's always going to be somebody who's better than us. Whether that's at your work, in your school, in your hobby that you participate in, we always will find somebody who's just a little bit better, who's been a little bit more successful. And if you understand that feeling, that's exactly what the shepherds were experiencing and what many people, I understand, feel about God. We just don't feel worthy. He is perfect. We are not. How can we be in his presence if I've messed up all this and I continue to mess up? Feeling unworthy is a bad place to be. And often, for many of us, it leads to our next point, and that's we believe that we're unlovable. Right? This, this sense of being unworthy leads to a sense of being unlovable. And many people feel like they can't connect to other people because they simply just, they're not lovable. They've messed up too much. They failed too much. When that comes to God, it's a very damning emotion to experience. Now, in Israel, being disconnected from the temple greatly impacted their identity both socially and spiritually, right? Going back to that thought of for the, for the shepherds, there was no hope. Like, not only are you removed from your family and your social network and you have no connection with them at all because you're not able to be there, like there's not a whole lot you can do, but God has been removed from you as well. There is no connection. And when you feel unworthy and you don't experience that relational connection, soon you feel unloved and you're alone. And hurt. This is what Morris stated about the shepherds. Is that they were considered unreliable and were not allowed to give testimony in the court of law. Many of you, I'm sure, understand that feeling of being unlovable. Right? Like, 
the shepherds were so lowly, at least according to what we're recovering from history in records, they couldn't even give testimony in the court of law. Like they were that unreliable. Now, whether that's true or not, we do know that they were outside of the city. And I believe that the reason why they were afraid and why we read in the text that, that they were in this sense of like panic and terror was because they knew that they should be dead. They were in the presence of God and they were evil because they were removed from the temple. And to be in God's presence, you had to go to him and make yourself so perfect that it took you days and years to get to him. The presence of God came to them and shone on them, as the scriptures say. And they were terrified because they knew they were dead men. But the angel said, fear not. Fear not. They felt unlovable. They felt unworthy. And our last point is when you feel unloved, when you feel unworthy, this can lead to depression and eventually a lack of purpose. A purpose to live, a purpose to exist. The shepherds had little relational or spiritual connection. They had themselves, they had their sheep. Right? I mean, talk about lack of purpose. Your job in life is to make sure sheep didn't die. That's a lack of purpose. They had no love. They were alone. And they had no purpose. Maybe today you feel like you don't have a purpose. You failed financially, maybe your job, your career, school. Maybe you had great plans and you're going to do all of these things and none of it's come about. Maybe you failed as a parent and it seems like everything you do is not good enough. You lack purpose. Yet to people just like you, Jesus came on the scene and through the angels he pronounced, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. You're not dead. You're not rejected. You're not a nobody. You're not worthless. You're not unloved. Listen to this. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. For you, if you were the only person on earth that Jesus came to save, it was for you. That's personal. These unloved, unworthy, lacking purpose shepherds out in the field under the stars of night, a Savior has been born 
for you. He's the Messiah. He's come to save you. With the remainder of our time today, I want to look at one passage found in Romans 3, verses 20 through 22, that unpacks this good news so perfectly. Because remember, these men that the angels appeared to were rejected. They had failed the law miserably. Miserably. Right? And we are in the same boat. We're not Israelites. We can't follow God's law because we are not in the line of Jewish descendants. Maybe you are, but very few listening today fall under the line of an Israelite descendant. We cannot enter God's presence in the temple at any cost. We can't do it. So we fall right in line with the shepherds today. We're lowly with the Gentiles. We're the rejects. But God came upon the scene. Through the angels, he announced, he's been born for you. You, those who are the rejects. So in Romans chapter 3, we read in verse 20, for no one will be justified in his sight that's made right in his sight by the works of the law. Right there. <laughs> Something has changed, right? Because the knowledge of the sin comes through the law, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. And so to the shepherds and to us today, we can proclaim, we can't observe, or we cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. To the religious elites, you think you know the way. You don't. It's through faith. It's through belief. In Jesus Christ and Him alone. Right? Verse 20 tells us, No one will be justified that is made right in God's sight by the works of the law. Right? Like this is so earth shattering. In the time of the shepherds, in the time this was written, it was assumed that there was no other way to God but through the law. And at that time, experts tell us that there was over 613 Jewish laws. You fail one, you are done. You have to do all these things to get yourself back right with God again. And it, th these shepherds couldn't do it. There was no way for them to get right with God because of the line of work that they did. They were rejected from God's presence because of their line of work. They were rejected. Yet Jesus comes along, and the first to see him were those considered the furthest from him. That's so good. Those who are considered the furthest from him were the first to see him and experience his salvation. 
But yet, what, what is the purpose of the law? I love how Paul continues and, and goes on that the law shows us our need for a Savior. Listen to verse 20. It goes on to say, this is in the New Living Translation, the law shows us how sinful we are. Right? This is important. The law isn't bad. And, and, and we get this sometimes in the, the, the church world as we just look back on the, on the Jewish law and, and everything from Moses all the way up through the prophets. And we say, that was for then. It wasn't, it, it, that was the bad time, right? That was before Jesus. It wasn't God's best. However, it was important because it showed us how Far from God, we are on our own. We can't do it. We fail miserably to be right with God. Right? I love this thought. It says, until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't need a Savior. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. It's important to understand. When we see that, man, I, I'm just not good enough. There's nothing I can do. I need Jesus. That's when he comes in. And he makes us right. See, he is the only one who ever has or ever will live a perfect life on earth. He makes us right with God and it's through faith it's through belief right verse 22 finishes by saying we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true of everyone who believes no matter who we are as the father looked down on the shepherds and he looks down on you he says you feel unworthy. You feel unloved. You feel purposeless. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He will save you from your unworthiness. He will save you from feeling like you're unlovable. He will save you from a life of lack of purpose. And he will give you purpose. He will give you worth. He will give you unconditional love. Not because of what you have done or who you are or how awesome you've performed in your life. No, because of Jesus. Because Jesus loved you so much. That he came and willingly gave himself for you. He stepped in your place, lived a life you could not live, and died a death you could never die to make yourself right with God. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone. There is no way to the Father but through him. So today I ask you, will you believe? Will you put your faith in Jesus? There is no greater gift that's been ever given or ever will be given. Jesus is it. No matter what you're going through, 
no, have, no matter how unloved you are or how unworthy you feel you are or how purposeless you feel you are, Jesus looks down and says, I died for you. Will you believe? Because then I give you access to the Father freely. Freely. Put your faith in him. Give him your life. Make him your savior. And allow him to direct your life. Father, I pray for every person listening that they will indeed give their life to you today. That they will say, I can't be right with God any other way but through Jesus. He died for me. Nothing I could do deserves this. Only Jesus. I give you my life. I will live for you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mixus Church family online for joining us today. If you want more information, check out nexuschurch.com, and we would love to stay connected with you. We'll see you next time.